Okay, cue the music and let's do this. It is season four. Season four, y'all. I I can't believe we're here. It's been two full years of podcasting and I have no words. I'm. <laughs> it's not really a good thing when a podcast hostess is starting her fourth season and she has no words. It's going to be interesting, right? Well, I have a lot of things planned for this season. And I know that there was one question that came up quite a bit with season three. What happened to Diane? And we didn't break up, but our lives were just crazy. Season three was just a little different because I was busy opening a nonprofit. Diane was busy doing a million different things. And yeah, we never really fully addressed that on our show, but we didn't break up. And today, Diana's back. She's not back all season, but she's going to be back as much as she can be. And I think you can tell as you listen to this how giddy the two of us were to be recording together again. That being said, there's a few new things that are coming. This season, we are going to have not just 4 a.m. content, but we're also going to have 4 p.m. content. 4 a.m. means that, you know, we talk about things off the cuff. 4 p.m. means that we are going to have more serious topics that are hopefully more helpful to you, like different resources that you can tap into as a caregiver of medically complex or disabled children. Additionally, on Monday, starting next week, not this week, I couldn't get my act together, but starting next Monday, we're going to be having Take 5 Monday. And this falls into one of the programs that the Apricity Hope Project offers called the Take 5 program, and it is a program that is encouraging caregivers, medical mamas, anybody who, you know, is taking care of a medically complex child, like a lot of us are, it is encouraging us to take five minutes, whether that is a five-minute breathing exercise, a five-minute meditation. Within the program, we are going to be offering getaways for caregivers. We're going to be connecting caregivers with massages that are donated, hopefully, (laughs) massages, facials, things like that. We want to give caregivers five minutes to breathe. So we're incorporating that on the podcast by doing Take Five Mondays. So yeah, let's go ahead and get to season four. I think I've rambled enough and... I'm excited. I hope you guys are excited too. Welcome back. Hi, I'm Susan, and this is When Autumn Comes. Look, sometimes life just looks a little different than we thought it would. This is a podcast for mamas and the people who love them, whose lives were flipped upside down as a doctor looked into her eyes and explained our child's prognosis. Or for the caregivers who get very little sleep as they face symptoms and behaviors that just aren't typical for other children. This is a place where we can take on this journey together because we know that this can be a sad, lonely, misunderstood path. But we also know that as the darker days and colder temperatures begin to appear, so do the golden leaves and beautiful sunsets of autumn. We know that life comes in seasons. We know that in our world, 24 hours can hold so much change that it can feel like four seasons in one day. We are here to help you share your story, let you laugh, let you cry, help you learn and help you grow together with other mothers when autumn comes. When Autumn Comes podcast is a program of the Apricity Hope Project, 
a nonprofit organization created to empower, encourage, and restore caregivers of medically complex and special needs children. You can learn more about our project at apricityhope.org. I am very excited because I have a really good guest today. Oh, my goodness. Welcome back to When Autumn Comes. Oh, you guys, it's been a while. I, I'm feeling a little rusty. I, like, they can't see my smile. Re- I'm like, I'm giddy. I do feel like we're almost back in person. Even, like, in person. I know. This is as close to in person as we could get for, I mean, I, y'all don't know how much coordinating it was for me to get Diane to be back on the podcast because she is a very busy woman. Well, and I feel like with your new venture, which I'm so excited to talk about, like just scheduling in general, we were like, well, we can't make that work. And then one time in December, you were like, what date did you give me? And I was like, that was last Friday. (laughs) Well, I asked, I think like in the in the early fall, maybe it was like October. And I was like, when's the next day you can record? And you're like, December. I know. It's, it, <laughs> it and like, it's true story. It's terrible. But we're, we're here. I'm okay. so excited. I'm so excited. Welcome <laughs> back to When Autumn Comes. You know, there were rumors going around that you and I had an epic breakup. Oh, yeah, it was and, brutal. <laughs> I mean. I, <laughs> no, but in all fairness, it was like, we're not going anywhere. We're just like, I was going to record when I could because I got busy. So I yep. could see how people were like, wait, what happened? You know, and the busyness just like overtook. So I just kind of started doing interviews without right. you. So like, <laughs> they're not crazy. No, but there's no, there was no breakup. There was just, you know, a really good season. <clears throat> yeah. Really busy season. And yep. so I feel bad too, because season three of When Autumn Comes kind of, the guests that we had, that I had, were great. But the season sucked in general because I was not consistent because the season started in like September mm-hmm. and my nonprofit started in September. Yeah. And so managing all of that at the same time was insane. Yeah. So now I have hired somebody to help edit this podcast. She's going to have a great time with this one. (laughs) Sorry about Um, it. But I've hired somebody to help with the editing to take that off of my plate. And yeah, I, it's just, it's a massive undertaking to start a nonprofit. Yeah, Y'all know I've done several for-profits in my life, but a nonprofit, there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of rules and I, eh. I'm such a stickler for rules that I have to follow all of them. And it's hard. Yeah. No, I'm so proud of you, though. I want to hear like a little because we haven't even really talked very much. We haven't talked. I don't think people realize (laughs) you guys are hearing literally the first conversation Diane and I have had in like a year. We text, hey, how's it going? Thinking of you or will Marco Polo really quick of like, how's your day or what's been going on? But like literally had a conversation over 10 minutes is non-existent no no well before we dive into what i'm doing how are you how is sayla like oh like they've heard the listeners have heard a little bit from me but like how is everybody in your family doing we are doing very well so my gosh there's like so much that's new and 
no nothing really concrete that's new. So in May, we met with a new genetics team. And I was like blown away because this woman looked at me and was like, well, my goal for this appointment is to to prove to you that she doesn't have mitochondrial disease. And I was like, wait, I'm sorry, what did you just? So we are still in limbo. Like she can't really prove it. There's no concrete genetics that say this is what it is, but there's nothing that is also proving that she has it quite yet. We're still waiting on like a skin biopsy. and You, you know how the story goes. And so right now we are just on hold for this last genetics to come back and then we're going to be sent to the undiagnosed disease network. And how does that make you feel? I'm starting out with the question right off the bat. How does that make you feel? So when we first found out about it, I really was like, hell yes. Like I just felt this surge of energy and like I wanted to like flick off my dough and say peace out, you know. But at the same time, I didn't really talk a lot about it because it really depended on the day how I felt. Like it was terrifying. I literally felt like I was on a game show and there was like door one, door two, and door three. And door one, which was Mido, is comfortable. I know it, kind of. It's still scary. Then there was door two that could be like super exciting. And oh my gosh, like I could have my child for... 50 years. And I was like, I got this. Like I can do, I can do this, you know, caring for a disabled child without medical complexities for 50 years. No big deal. But then there's door three of like, oh, but I remember diagnosis day and that was terrible. And like, what if it's worse? What if it's what worse? If it... And just having to go through that again of the unknowns and then like yeah. facing, you know, if you don't know what it is, you got to figure it out. So I actually yeah. have to learn about this and the possibility. So it was I still feel like that, but obviously the more time that's gone on, that's lessened. I did have a little bit of a harder summer too, and this is going to get deep really fast, but it was really interesting. It was really interesting because there was partially, and this doesn't make sense when I say it, and I've said it to a few people, and I'm like, just follow my conversation, and it's not going to make any sense, Mm -hmm. but it literally is how I feel, of I was afraid of it not being mito and just something that's like oh it's just that no big deal because i know how much she has changed our family and she has grounded me spiritually and how much i have had to learn how to let go of control and just surrender every day and i had a fear that i wouldn't be able to continue doing that and i would like be complacent with my faith and with a lot of things that I've learned in my life. So there was almost this fear of like, what if I can't do this on my own without my child facing this terrible, terrible thing? And I know that probably sounds awful because it's not her responsibility to carry me <laughs> to heaven. However, it was a it was a reality. It was like a true fear that I had. And it was kind of scary. And so, um, you know, it's it's been a roller coaster. I can't say a bad roller coaster. It's been a good roller coaster. And then she has just exploded. I mean, she is the Marco Polo you sent me yesterday of her. Like, I mean, I was like, I actually thought it was your older daughter yeah. because she just looks so good. Also, she's grown up oh since I saw videos of her, like when Lorelai and her would FaceTime. Yeah. But like, 
she looks so good. And she is. It's just, it's wild. I mean, she, I don't know what, what just clicked with her, but she is using a walker. And just this week, she, she came back from Christmas break and they were like, okay, we're going to have her use this walker to transition to all her classes. So she is using her walker the entire day. She's just, she's starting to say different consonants, like speech is nowhere near like the explosiveness of her physical ability, but it's wild. Like we had to move up her IEP meeting, which was supposed to be, I think in maybe May because she's like greeting her friends appropriately. So she did get a new teacher this year and that has just been like a godsend. I mean, it is just unbelievable when you have somebody like don't ever stop fighting for a good teacher. Mm-hmm. It will make or break your experience yeah. and she she's been it, it's just unbelievable. So there've been really good things along with that. I also realized for myself like she started having what did they call them? They called them intention tremors okay and they make me drop to my knees and so i realize i have a lot of work to do because my other children have stuff come up whether it's headaches or belly aches or vision changes and i realize that if anything is not at homeostasis with her it takes me out like oh my gosh here we it's go it's because you're terrified We've said before, even people in Italy have shit. Mm -hmm. And you've got both sides of this. And I think it's fair that you're going to feel with one child in Holland and the other two in Italy, so to speak. Like your kids have vision changes and stuff in Italy, but it's a little more scary when you're in Holland. Right. I think because you've been looking for the shoe to drop. Like I I haven't been looking for it, but I've been waiting for it. Like, okay. You've been waiting, especially when like, you're i mean i'd say we're good friends even though we haven't talked in a really long time but when you're like me and my daughter died from a disease that your daughter might have Mm -hmm. like you've been in this bubble and you've seen what a lot of us have gone through and luckily quote unquote sayla hasn't and she's passed every test Mm -hmm. and she's still going forward and i would imagine i don't know i'm putting words out here but do you feel any sort of like, do you feel any sort of, not guilt, but like, my daughter's doing this and Lorelai went backwards or, um, you know, with other. I think that, see, do I feel guilt for that? I don't know if guilt's the right word. Like, do you feel lucky? Yes. I feel really fortunate. That's a really good question. I would say when I think about... Welcome to therapy. Right. By the way, I still never completed that New Year's resolution from... Girl, I'm in trauma therapy now. I know. You told me. I don't know if you know this. I'm in EMDR trauma therapy. I know. So I'm like doing double decker since you never picked up your end of the resolution. Thank you. (laughs) Is it awesome and terrible all at the same time? Yes. Okay. Yes, very much. How do I feel? I feel like in limbo. I think some days I could say, yeah, I feel super lucky. And I I do. You know, when you step back, it's like, I'm so grateful. But I think I'm also learning to like stay in today. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And so that's where I feel a little bit like I'm just hoping for the best and not really preparing for the worst anymore. But still sometimes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I also don't feel, you know, I was like, so where do we go next? 
I mean, we had our mito protocol of we're down at the clinic every six months and this is what we're checking on every three months. So after we met with this woman, she was like, okay, bye. And I was like, um, uh, am I going to see, like, when, what do I do? You know? So it's just this mm-hmm. weird state of, like, I, we're just in limbo and I'm just kind of like yeah. trying to manage my own emotions, but. But in reality, nothing's changed. Mm-mm. Like, I mean, this is like the same conversation we had three years ago, like yeah. where you don't know what's going on and you're, and I think all of us can relate to the idea of trying to be in the present yeah. because literally that's all we have. I know that sounds like a bad Hallmark card, but no, but it, it really it is. Literally is the only thing. And the other thing I've really come to terms with, you know, if you were to ask my husband or I would be like, how are you feeling? He would look at you, not dumbfounded, I think with compassion, but like, she's no different than she was yesterday or two years ago. Like, her destiny is already set out for her. And I've just realized mm-hmm. how much control I like to feel like I have. And so... I was going to say how little control we actually have. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we're at a point that if it's not Mito, we have gone through every genetic test. We literally can go through except for a muscle biopsy and so if they find out that she has something there's not going to be a roadmap which is mm-hmm. terrifying but it also is like well i i'm thankful that i don't even have an inkling of control because i can't grasp for anything you know so um she is teaching you some big lessons seriously and it's really interesting because this is something i've struggled with my whole life like mm-hmm. living out of fear and kind of just wanting to know what's going to happen and planning everything out. So, yeah, that's where we're at. And, you know, like our other kids are just dance four days a week, basketball and soccer. It's just it's a fun time of life. Busy. Just very busy. Side note, she is sleeping a little better. Good. So are you not are you still part of the 4 a.m. mom club? Like, oh, I was this I morning. I mean, you're always part of the club. No. But so, like, are you active member yeah. at 4 a.m.? So. <laughs> She, for like a short stretch, maybe for like six weeks, which I feel like was two years, was sleeping. And this is actually when she like really exploded walking and stuff. She was sleeping from like 8.30 at night, 9 at night to maybe 7 in the morning. I mean, it was wild. But this week, she was up for like two hours from like 2 to 4.30 one night. So I was like, oh, okay. And then this morning... I hear her squawking and I was like, Josh, go get her. And he was like, it's 4 a.m. And I was like, you little shit. You knew that we were going to be a podcast. And you just had to be like, mom, don't you ever forget the hell that I put you through. She's like, let me let me remind you who is running this show. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway. So, yes, I am still active. Maybe not quite as much as I was, but. I mean, and if it's not her awake, it's me awake. Yeah. 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 What is that? Yeah, I feel that in my bones. I'm like, am I a menopausal <laughs> already? I'm only 38. But like this whole not being able to sleep thing is just brutal. I was really hoping my doctor was going to tell me I was perimenopausal, but she hasn't yet. I'm like, can we just move on yeah. with this? <laughs> like, I don't want to get old, uh, but I want an explanation for why I'm falling apart at the seams. I, exactly. <laughs> they keep telling me it's anxiety. And I'm like, y'all, like. Yes, but no. Yeah, something else is um, going on. Oh. 
Anyway. How's Benji? Benji is Benji. He's doing his thing and he is following his own path. And he is three and a half. And this is when Lorelai got mono. Oh, yeah. And so we're kind of entering into uncharted waters because once she got mono, it started to kind of begin the decline. Once she got over mono, there were like four good months. But yeah, we're kind of entering uncharted waters where he's only had one virus and it was the virus that killed his sister. And he hasn't left his bubble at all. And we're now trying to figure out, do we start venturing out? Do we start, I don't know, like, I miss my family. I miss him being around my family. We did his wish trip and my family came up and met us. And that was wonderful. He did so well with them. But, you know, there's always that anxiety in the back of my head that I don't want anybody to get my kids sick. Not necessarily for his sake, because right now he's still strong. Although, at this point in Lorelai's life, she already had the flu. She already had done that intubation of, you know, we had already done the, you have to say goodbye to your kid thing at this phase of her story. But I also don't want anybody to get him sick and feel what I have felt about getting Lorelai sick. Mm -hmm. So it's a real interesting place. I'm in EMDR therapy. And I'm working through a lot. Can you explain like a little bit of how this goes? I mean, you've told me a little bit it's, of it, but it's really hard to explain. And I was thinking I might have my friend Amanda, who was the therapist, counselor, friend mm -hmm. that's been on a couple of times. I might have her come on and explain like the actual terms. I, I have but, a client who's a therapist and she is like, you go into like the depths, like you create this. Mm -hmm. I don't know if pattern's the right word. I mean, I shouldn't even talk about it's it. It's almost like a meditative yes. state. Do you know what she told me? The closest thing to that is walking because you're using the both, both sides of your brain. Like, isn't mm. that the whole point of it? It's like you try and tap into both sides yeah. of like the reality and then the yep. feeling or whatever. Yeah. So it's kind of like the fight or flight on one side and the reality on the other. And because I'm very visual, he was like, there's a wall in the middle and we're trying to break that wall down so that each side can play with the other side and it's not one or the other. An example of how I knew I needed this was Benji had a fever of like 99. It wasn't bad. He was teething. I was 99% sure it was teething, but in my mind, I'm making his hospital go bag. I'm preparing for an ICU stay. I'm preparing to say goodbye to my kid because he's probably sick and he's going to need to be intubated. And then the last time this happened to Lorelai, she died. So it's just trying to, my therapist says to me all the time, so are you a psychic? Are you a fortune teller? Can you see the future? Maybe. And I'm like, <laughs> well, maybe, but that's another story. But, but yeah, he's like, are you a fortune teller? And I'm like, no. And so, like, in the last therapy session, something that I said was, like, and here's where I'm at. And no, I'm not a fortune teller. It's really crazy, though, because the way, like, again, I'm very visual, but I feel like it's like the layers of an onion. And I'm not going to reference Shrek right now, but I just did. You know, it's like, it's like an ogre, but it's the layers of the onion. And I'm trying to get down to the core of that 
onion and figure out what exactly is, I don't know, what exactly am I trying to fix? And or what exactly is this heavy weight that I've been carrying? And in my last session, like, and I hate it because it's almost like a workout where like you push and push and push to get to that point. And then he's like, okay, so we're going to stop there. And I'm like, you're stopping right when I'm like ready to fix the problem. Yeah. Like I just realized. So like last week, right at the end, I made a comment of like, I worry that, you know, I was the one who took the kids to the lavender farm. That's where we got sick. I was the one who got sick. I got the kids sick. And then I was like, you know, if it were up to my husband, he would leave Benji in our house bubble 24-7 and would be okay with Benji not having any, like, he would like Benji to have life experiences, right. but he would pick the safety of the house over life experiences. And I would pick life experiences at a certain point. And I got to that point and then he did the flashy light thing again because it like helps it flashes back and forth do you so watch your eyes it? follow yep you watch it and then there's little buzzers in your hand that follow the light so you're feeling it it's all sensory interesting and then when he does that for like a minute or so and then he comes back and he's like so what are you thinking now and i was like i'm thinking that i'm going to be responsible for killing both of my kids because if anybody's going to go somewhere and catch a virus it's not going to be my husband it's going to be me and he was like, so we're going to stop there. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you're like, are we stopping because you think I've reached the threshold and I'm about to jump off a cliff and I'm crazy or because this is really supposed to be a good place to stop <laughs> or because we're out of time and you, like it was one of those like seriously, but it's like making me realize things like this. And he says to me like you have been carrying this for seven years like you have been carrying parts of this journey for a very long time and it's time that we unload it and I can tell you like I went in skeptical because I really liked my therapist before but it was just talk therapy mm -hmm. and like she was great and I would recommend her but this is exactly what I need right now yeah didn't she recommend you to this too mm -hmm. yeah and I am like, I just feel like I'm diving so much deeper and like the stuff I was doing with her now, I can see how good it was, mm -hmm. but I don't feel like it would have pushed me long term. I mean, like when you said it's like a workout, it seems like it kind of is like you work your butt off. It's not that fun. You're not motivated to do it, but you reap the rewards and like you feel. Have you mm -hmm. felt the benefit of it? I've, I have, I think it's given me more self-awareness. It has definitely made me go, okay, are you panicking right now because of reality or are you panicking because of trauma? It has really made me put grief and trauma side by side and questioned which ones are grief and which ones are trauma. And he has said to me over and over, like, your grief isn't going to go anywhere. Like, you love your daughter. Your grief isn't going to go anywhere. Like, it's there because she was amazing. And it's the trauma we're trying to sort through that, unfortunately, Lorelai's life, day one, right? an emergency C-section, and they swooped her away, and I didn't hold her for nine. Day one was trauma. Mm -hmm. So 
it's really difficult to unwind where the trauma and where the grief is. And that's where, like, New Year's Day was, I spiraled. I knew it was, I knew it was grief and I knew it was trauma and I let the fight or flight take over and I just went into, like, I'm entering a new year without her and that was the grief side. But then it quickly turned to, is this going to be Benji's last year? Yeah. Like, what if this is his last New Year's with us? What if, like, and and then I hear myself going, well, are you a fortune teller? <laughs> and if my therapist is listening to this right now, which I doubt he would, but, like, he's like, I'm in her head. I, I'm doing my yeah. job. <laughs> Seriously, if it was, I'm not downplaying what he does for a living, but if I could just say, are you a fortune teller? And that's what sticks the most with a patient. Hey, you can make some big bucks doing right? that. <laughs> right. Well, and... He's taught me so many grounding techniques. Like the first, the first session I had with him, he's like, "So we're gonna do like a grounding technique," and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) "And now I do these grounding techniques," and I'm like, "Oh, that really worked." What What are they? Some are as simple as like breath work with like counting and like you know breathing in for five, breathing out for eight. Some are, I really like one. You want to do one? Yeah. Let's do one. Okay. Okay. Put your coffee down. So you tighten up your body as tight as you can get it. Hold it tight. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and let it go. Now do it again. Tighten up as tight as you can get it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And let it go. Do you oh, feel yeah. any like? Oh yeah, I actually do feel that lighter sometimes when I'm like ready to go to sleep. Other one, and mm-hmm. I don't know if this would be considered grounding, is like if I feel really like wound up or really tight, kind of like that. I'll mm-hmm. like come out, like I'll breathe in, and then I'll be like, hmm, and I'll like make a audible noise, and I feel like everything just like melts, kind of. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. I mean, it's things like that that. I feel like learning little things Mm -hmm. like that, that when I'm in this fight or flight mode or when I'm when I know it's not grief or even when I think it is grief, it's okay to do and then go, am I still feeling that? Am I feeling it because she was an awesome kid and I miss her or am I feeling it and projecting it onto Benji's life? Right. So it's been it's been really good for me. I hate going like I like I told him, I said. The bonus with this is I stop and I get Starbucks on the way and I get to the parking lot 10 minutes early so that I can like have some quiet time. And then I go in the beginning. I was like, yeah, this is good. Like he gets my sarcasm. This is good. And then I'm like, damn it. Does he like now is he like put that sarcasm away because that's like a technique? He comes. Yeah, he he knows when I'm deflecting (laughs) and he also comes back at me with Sark. I mean, like he throws at me all the time. Are you a fortune teller? Like, I mean, he he gets me in the beginning. I was like, I don't like this dude. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's been it's been going well and I'm really glad that I'm doing it. Okay, so kind of circling back around to the Apricity Hope Project. How yeah. do you feel like you are channeling everything that you've learned this year? Like, first of all, what are you doing in this? I mean, I kind of know, but I don't know how much you've talked yeah, about so, it on the podcast if people. 
I really haven't dove into it much. I continuously circle back to when you and I started and we didn't really talk openly with our listeners about how this was like our internal mission to just love on moms and how it just kind of became our little ministry of you and me loving on people together and doing what it would take. And and I know like when you came to visit, we had all these big ideas <laughs> of like, let's do all these things. Yes. Yeah, we wasted and wasted, quote unquote, wasted an entire day like planning our future with this project. And then none of that ever came to fruition. We should have just had more to drink that day and stopped working. I think we were hungover from the night before. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Um, but yeah, so I keep circling back to how this was our little Susan Diane ministry. And it's turned into a podcast that has helped grow a community of amazing people. And the Apricity Hope Project came up because I kept having people say, you really need to do something with this. You really need to like just take that extra step. And I had family, but then also acquaintances pushing me. And that kind of helped. I was like, well, these acquaintances who barely know me are like, you need to do this. I was like, I need to listen. So the podcast became one of the programs of the project. And the hope with that is that we can get sponsors for podcast episodes and bring on guests that are a bit more educational than just me and Diane occasionally. What are you talking about? I'm working on getting a guest that can talk about like ADA housing and talk about wills and special mm-hmm. needs trusts and stuff like that. I'm going to call them 4 p.m. talks. Ooh, I and we're going to have that. Right. So we're going to have some 4 p.m. talks. We're going to keep doing the 4 a.m. talks. I told my board, because I now have a board of directors, I told them I was like, there are some things that are not going to change. Like we're going to continue to talk about inappropriate things at 4 a.m. if that's what comes up, because I think that's part of this community. Like, We can have the serious talks on Wednesdays, but then we all still need to unplug and like feel human. Mm -hmm. And if that's talking about Spanx, then so be it. You know, I miss those chats. Hot dogs and mailboxes. Hot dogs and mailboxes. That was a classic. If you're new here, go find that one. The podcast is going to keep being the podcast and I'm trying to manage my time so that I can consistently put out content because it bothered the crap out of me with season three that I was not consistent. But I do think like I'm proud of you for giving yourself grace. I mean, Mm -hmm. when I said there's a season for everything, right? Like it's not like, oh, this was a great time and now it just isn't. It's not great anymore. That season's over. It's like, no, I mean, you were stumbling through grief and loss and I was stumbling through unknowns. And there's just like giving yourself grace to let something flourish the way it's supposed to, which I think with the podcast moving into a nonprofit, I mean, that's that's the path it was supposed to take. And so I just think that, yeah, like I know it's hard to give up that control, but props to you for, you know, just giving yourself a little yeah. grace. Thank you. So then we also have one of the programs is caregiver packages. And we did our first drop for the holiday. And we had 25 local caregivers that received, they're usually like $100 value care packages is what we're shooting for. It had blankets and coffee mug and hot chocolate bombs and 
wish beads bracelet and like really nice things, I think. I mean, everybody had good feedback. But we're doing our next drop. The application opens next Friday. I'm looking at my watch like I know what day it is. (laughs) I don't. So that will be the 20th is when the next application opens and we will be shipping them this time. Like we've allotted the funds so that we can ship them in the U.S. Sorry, Canada. Um, Sorry, Norway. India. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if we have listeners in India, but I do know we have Canadian and Norwegian listeners. So if there's other countries I'm missing, sorry. But yeah, we have some really cool things happening with that. And then we have a Take 5 program. And that is actually going to, this is news to you. The Take 5 program is encouraging caregivers to take five minutes. And five minutes could mean a getaway to the beach that we have. We just got our first one set up. And so in March, we're sending a caregiver to a three-day weekend in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. That's amazing. Yep. Her and her partner, so two caregivers, a husband, wife, mom, and dad are going for three days in the Outer Banks. And I'm now working on getting like restaurants to donate gift cards for them and trying to do all of those things. So that is the start of that program. But we also realize that some caregivers can't get away for a weekend. So we're working on getting like massages donated and things like that so that we can like, if you have an hour, maybe we can gift you a massage, like take five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then with that, the hope is that with season four of When Autumn Comes, on Mondays, we're going to do a like quick, three to five minute take five whether it's a grounding exercise or here is something to think about and meditate on for the week here's something you can pray about here's something you know here's an inspirational quote literally take five minutes and just ponder this for the week so my plan then is to have little snippets on monday and yeah i'm really really excited about how it's all coming together it's just a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a lot of work. We also have Camp Hopeful coming up in March. So that's happening again. And that is going to be a fundraising event for the Apricity Hope Project. And then everybody's asked me, because if you've followed me or known me for a little while, you know that mitochondrial disease research is something that my family has done a lot of fundraising for. And I pretty much break down crying in every board meeting because I tell them, like, I do not want to give up on that. I feel like that would be me giving up on a cure for Benji. And they have stopped me. Well, they let me cry. And then they're like, yeah, but if you ask any caregiver what they would really want, they would want a cure or a treatment for their kid. So this has become our fourth program, and it's something as simple as we are giving a certain percentage of the funds we raise every year to research. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a way that we can like help caregivers indirectly, help our kids, and I'm just, I'm not getting paid for any of this yet, which is tough. But it's a nonprofit, so we have to build up funds and we have to like if anybody has any great ideas or business connections that want to donate money, let me know. I will talk to them. It's just, you know, when you start a nonprofit, there has to be funds to do all the programs. And I have told my entire team, I will not take a penny until we are fully running all of our programs. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah. I'm loving it, though. Good. It's just a lot of work. Yeah. But I feel like you like to be really busy, too. Right? Yeah, I do. I do like to be busy, but, and we could dive into this in a whole nother episode, but I had a moment last week where I thought, I can't, can't wait is not the right word, but that's what I said. I can't wait until Benji passes and everybody will give me enough grace to go off the grid for a month. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's not right. Yeah. Like, why? Like, if I'm doing too much right now, then I need to see that and feel that. And, like, why would I want grace when he's not here? Yeah. Like, I should be present with him instead of running in 15 different directions. And that's where I'm like, I need to find more volunteers. That's how this nonprofit is going to work. Right. I'm going to find more volunteers and I'm going to have to give up control of a few things. Right. 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 <laughs> so I just, it was kind of a humbling moment of like, I can't wait until he passes so that everyone around me gives me grace. And I'm like, no, it's not them. It's me. Like, I need to be like, woman, like, if you're doing too much, just stop. Mm-hmm. And I keep telling myself, like, I have all these deadlines. No one really cares about the deadlines but me. Right. Like, we're still doing caregiver packages and we're still doing all of these things and no one really cares about the deadlines but me. I just, it, it's a really weird place to be in. And that was a moment where I was like, huh, like if I want a break, I should be able to give myself a break with Benji and I don't need two dead children to be my excuse of why Suze went off the radar yeah, and went camping for three days. Like, yeah. you know, like, it's just when when Lorelai passed, I feel like everybody was like, do what you have to do. And now that I'm in year two, which is wild, right? But now oh that I'm gosh. in this place, everybody around me, including myself, is like, well, you should be better by now. And that's not the case. And I truly feel like year two is harder than year one because year one, I was numb. And everybody allowed me to be numb, which is great. But year two, I'm feeling everything. And now is when I want people to swoop in with the pie and be like, just go take a break. Mm-hmm. Which I think is even more kind of the motivation behind this nonprofit and like the Take Five program. Like, we all keep going no matter what our circumstances are. And for somebody to be like, here's a massage, here's a weekend at the beach. Like, Go take a break. So I don't know. Like, that's where I'm at. I'm kind of talking in circles right no, now. No, you're not at all. It's it's <laughs> it's really interesting and good. And it is helpful to hear, like, how year one and year two have been very different. But it's inspiring to hear, like, how you're channeling that into your passion mm-hmm. project. And I think, too, like, not to call people out, but if you know somebody who's grieving, like, when she died, our mailbox was literally overflowing with what I called dark humor here, dead kid cards. Like, our mailman knew something was up. Mm-hmm. It was overflowing with dead kid cards for a solid month or two. And in that was gift cards for food. In that was, you know, I 
everything you could imagine because everybody was like, here, let me take care of you. And then it just stops. And I get it. Like everybody's lives go forward. They have to. Like, and everybody's not in this house, but it just stops. And now that I'm feeling like I was numb and I was just eating whatever food or whatever gift cards I got. And now that I'm feeling everything, I don't have the bandwidth to make meals. And I don't know if you can tell, like you can see me right now, but I've gained 50 pounds since she died. Like I am just, Diane's face right now looks very perplexed. You have? Um, no, I, I actually can't it's tell. All, it's all, I'm going to stand up and show you, but it's all in my like midsection here. Like look at my butt. It's all, I'm carrying most of it in my midsection, but I've gained 50 pounds since she died. And I'm grateful that my husband has stepped up a lot because he's making a majority of our meals. He's making about 75% of our meals because I've like flat out told him like, I can't add anything else to my plate right now. Like, I just can't. And if it were up to me, I would just order takeout. Mm -hmm. And but like that, that support and overflowing support that I got in year, like the first three months after she passed. That's done. And I think in my head when I was like, I can't wait until he passes so that I'm given that break. Yeah. Like it it probably has something to do with that. Like being like, done and yeah. Like it's okay that you don't do anything. Like, yeah. you know, feeling like you have a good excuse. How's Mike doing? He's doing well. He's doing his thing. And um, he got his, I call it his midlife, my daughter died crisis car. He got a fancy sports car. Mm -hmm. He was like, do you think it'd be okay? I was like, she died. Get what you want. Oh my gosh. That's very exciting. So he ordered it. He ordered it a few months after she passed and it came middle of the summer. He got it, I think, right around, right around her one year anniversary. It came. And he's, he's getting into car stuff again. And yeah. we're trying to navigate, like, he wants to start doing more activities with humans. And, you know, we're still really locked down in our house. Mm -hmm. It's just a really weird place yeah. because you have the trauma of we gave Lorelai a cold paired with Benji needs to live his life. So, yeah, I don't know. This has been a really long episode, though. So I have a question for you. Yes. You're putting me on the spot. Diane. Oh, what gives you hope now? Um, well, obviously, hands down, number one, Jesus and my faith. That doesn't really need to be said. Number two, I think right now what gives me so much hope is the community that has surrounded us this last year teachers, paras, but also peers. They have gone into meetings being like, okay, just shoot me straight. Like, what year? What year is my heart going to break because she's not going to have friends? Like, what year is this going to come? And they look at me like kind of dumbfounded and confused. Like, what are you talking about? So Sayla walked in in her walker to her classroom for the very first time two days ago and I get a laminated picture home of her entire first grade class standing around the door and their arms are in the air and cheering her on and high-fiving her and I 
I am just so thankful for how society has evolved with inclusion and not just forced inclusion, but they genuinely... They're genuinely rooting for her. Like, you can see it in a picture. They're literally rooting for her. And that same day, her teacher was like, oh, honey, they fight over who gets to sit by her at lunch. And they tell the para, no, you don't need to sit with her. I can sit next to her and help her eat. And it's just Mm -hmm. heartwarming. And I, I don't even know if I have any words to describe just how lucky I feel today. And that that moment may come where, you know, they're going to move faster. They're going to run circles around her. They're going to be in their sports and doing their thing and cracking funny jokes that she can't necessarily participate in. But for today, I am so thankful that she has friends and I am so thankful that I can just let her go to school and actually want her to go to school. So that really gives me hope is how these kids are being raised and taught with the purpose of inclusion. It's just so incredible. How they're teaching her and she's teaching mm-hmm. them so much. Yes. Yeah. So that's what gives me hope. Well, welcome back, friend. Thank you. I hope you can pencil us in for some more episodes. Yes. Like, I mean, if your busy schedule allows, maybe we can do this more often. But Well, send me, send um, me the calendar. We'll the Calendly. Okay. Okay. Sounds do good. Bye. Bye, guys.